millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I talked to Ewan McFarlane of the Grim Northern Social, of Apollo 440, and of uh, Gatekeeper of Ace Chat, because that's what you're going to get today. Um, I didn't want this one to finish. We was having a blast, and uh, we had a good natter before we started, and we had an even longer natter when we finished, and uh, that's a sign that um, there's a good connection um, between your, 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 your guest and me. So um, I think you're in for a treat today. Um, we're, we're very similar in age, and we grew up listening to very similar music. So uh, there's lots of uh, excited voices on this and lots of, uh, oh, God, yeah, absolutely's. Um, so uh, you're going to enjoy this one. Um, before we get on with it, uh, a few thank yous. Um, big thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. This podcast is very, very proud to be part of that network. Um, thanks to 76 for producing this. Um, obviously, um, we're going to start, hopefully, to uh, be recording more episodes in a room together um, now that restrictions are, uh, you know, are finished. Um, but also, in the meantime, if uh, I reach out to artists and they're, they're further afield, I've now realised there's this thing called Zoom, which has kept us all going and, and kept us in podcasts for the last uh, year and a half. And uh, and so what that means is sometimes uh, the 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 you know that the audio may not be you know as as warm and as lush as it might be if we was both sitting in an expensive studio. But my lovely producer seventy six is a genius, and uh, yeah. What he uh, he does is he gets the audio from these Zoom chats and he makes it sound gorgeous. So, uh, so yeah. Also, if this is your first time listening to Off The Beat and Track podcast, then when you finish this Ace Chat with Ewan, then uh, go and check out the back catalogue. Um, you can find episodes with some of the artists that we speak about uh, on today's episode. You can hear me talking to um, Simone, Primal Screen. That's a great chat. I think Simone might have been on twice, actually. Um yeah, you can hear me talking to Fatboy Slim, the Foo Fighters, um, Idlewild, uh, gosh, um, a- actors like Maxine Peake, Amanda Abington, Joe Hartley, Michael Smiley. Um, oh, there's loads, absolutely loads. Go and get stuck in. There's, there's, there's probably 320 episodes now, so go and have a little scroll through and, uh, and you'll see loads of uh, familiar names and faces and, uh, and I guarantee that they're uh, a nice friendly chat because so far, everyone's been bloody lovely. I've been spoiled. Um, and if that's not enough and you need spoiling, um, then there's a good way that you can uh, spoil yourself and get more content and also support the podcast and that is on my Patreon 
Uh, so Patreon, uh, which if you've listened to this podcast a lot, you hear me mention every time I do these intros. Um, it's like, it's kind of like Instagram. It's a bit like Facebook. It's, you know, it's that social media type thing. But um, to access mine, it's a uh, dollar a month, so like 79p. And then what happens is you can go on there and you can chat away to me if you want. You can send me messages. And, and then what I do is I put up, um, playlists on there i put up radio shows on there um, i put up video episodes on there so you can watch all the podcasts um and uh yeah and then there's also like a big back catalogue on there of 200 or so episodes that um have never been released to the public so uh, you can go and get stuck in over there and support the podcast but i know that we've had a tough old few months so um pennies can be uh uh, can be scarce, so don't feel any pressure to do that if you can. It's 79p a, a month. Thank you loads. If not, all I ask is that um, you subscribe or you give us a, a like, love, a share or a retweet on the socials. It all helps. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, I think I'm done with all the waffle. Oh, just quickly. All of this stuff that I've just mentioned, one-stop shop people, www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. That's beat and track not beaten track you see what i've done there where I, what i've done with the name yeah all right cool anyway enough of my uh lispy essex twang um you're treated to uh, an ace chat now please enjoy today's episode of you and mcfarlane right i've got to take a quick break in this podcast because i've got some super exciting news off the beat and track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Right, we are recording. You and how you doing? Yeah, I'm good, buddy. How are you? Not bad, not bad. We're trying to do that authentic thing like we ain't been putting the worlds to rights for the last 10 minutes. We've just pressed record, but uh, we've already been having a, a chat and a rant. So uh, so I think we're going to have a good a good natter today, mate. Um, yeah, let's just hope we've not missed all the good stuff, mate. <laughs> Well, before we get onto your playlist and, and the songs that you've you've chosen today, mate, I, I just want to, um, you know, we, we're recording this on the 29th of July, as um, as, as in 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 England, where we're, we're currently all restrictions have dropped. I know you're just outside of Glasgow. Um, yeah. is, is it pretty much back to normal up there, or are you a little bit behind us? I would, I would say, to be fair, we're a bit behind you guys. It, it definitely feels as if we're getting there, which is, which is exciting, obviously. 
because it's been quite a hard slog, but um, we we Nicola seems to be a bit more hard ass than um, than Big Boris boy down south. So she she's definitely kind of listen. I, everybody's got their own opinions on it, but it would just be nice to get back to a bit of reality. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, mate. I hear you. And with that in mind, um, just casting your mind back um, over the last. 16 every time I ask this question I'm sure I had another month on but I'm sure it's close to 16 months now but um, how have you found it personally and Mm -hmm. have you found it creatively okay so personally you've probably done loads of podcasts where people say the same thing I actually had a lovely time you know I was very fortunate anybody that was close to me they're still safe, which is the most important thing. I had some some friends of friends of friends who had some bad news and, and you know, tragic stuff for families. But on a personal level, um, I've had a, I had a brilliant time. You know, I really did. And, and with regard to from a creative point of view, I've probably never been more creative uh, in my entire life. I just threw myself right into it and... Things I think when you're being creative, Stu, the, the more you throw yourself in it on a daily basis, you become encapsulated in the whole thing. And, and, and when that happens, you really, really kind of get in a groove. And and things just, I was doing, I was waking up, I was waking up at four in the morning and I had, I kid you not, nearly full songs written in my head, lyrics, guitar parts, Grooves and I was like, "Whoa, how the fuck did that happen?" And it, it was really interesting. Um, and needless to say, you need to get up at three or four in the morning, come to the studio, and put it down because if you don't, it's gone forever. So yeah. no, I, I was good with it, mate. Excellent. <clears throat> I mean, it, it, so was it a, a sort of conscious decision for you know, as, as a musician, you know, and, and you're right. I've spoke to, to to plenty of musicians that have said very, very sort of similar things. Like you know, they've always wanted to have the time because you know you, you, you're always out and about and, and and doing all the things that musicians do, and to be you know forced to stop. And then I've spoke to lots that said their knee jerk reaction was to just start writing, and it wasn't happening. Did it fall quite nice for you that it just it, it flowed? Yeah, I, I, I was kind of. I'm I'm very very obsessive when I when I when I get into the creative mode, and I, I, th- I think I'm still a nice person, but I'm not a hundred percent because I'm so involved in what I'm doing. Um, but I, I'm also very fortunate to have I've got a brilliant wife that supports me and she understands completely. Um, same with the children, so that, I, I was pretty lucky. And creatively, it just it just flowed so smoothly for me. It was lovely. Oh, that's great to hear. Well, <clears throat> talking songwriting, let's start your playlist. Yeah, track one. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell me, please, you and the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. Okay, listen, there's, there's probably a hundred that could have picked for for various different reasons, but for me. I love Black Dog, Led Zeppelin, because it's an intro that starts with a vocal, you know, and Robert Plant just goes, boom, there you go, right in your face, and literally two bars later, Jimmy Page comes in with that guitar riff, and it's like, oh, my God, what about that? And then Bonham starts on the drum, you know, John Paul Jones, and it, the groove's there, and it's like, for me, that's it. Nailed it completely. So... 
with that in mind, I mean, there's there's so many, you know, singles and and and, and huge tracks by Zeppelin that aren't necessarily that instant. <clears throat> you know, they've got songs that completely wig out, and yeah. but it didn't matter so much then. You know, there was, you know, artists were allowed to breathe and grow. And if it didn't happen on the first record, don't worry, we'll get there on the second record and blah, blah, blah. The times have changed a hell of a lot. And with that in mind, I'm just interested to know as an artist, um, the way that people listen to music uh, now is quite different. Uh, Well, by that, I mean the technology that they get it on um shorter attention spans fast moving thumbs you know i'm sure like 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 my kids you've seen your kids and it's uh the the, the attention spans they're whizzing through tracks and and things and and, and just the accessibility of music now like with all the streaming services which i'm, I'm not hating on i think there's there's pros and cons to all of this of course, right. yeah, but yeah. with that in mind when you approach writing a song now are you considerate of some of the changes in technology and some of the ways that you are now hearing lots of records starting with choruses and these kind of beautiful intros that we'd seen in years gone by. And there's plenty of artists that still do that. But I just wonder where you're... I'm making this a real meal of this question, but I hope you know where I'm going with it, Ewan. Well, I, I totally get where you're going. I actually listened, I listened to your, your podcast with Jack um, Savaretti and he was kind of talking about starting the choruses and stuff. So I totally get where you're coming from. On a personal level, if something comes, I, I write in so many different ways because obviously my, my first love was the acoustic guitar. I picked up the acoustic and if you like, wrote a song like a, a traditional singer-songwriter would sure. have. I also, you know, I was very, very much involved in, in electronic stroke dance music to a certain degree with Apollo 440, so quite often we used to try and just find a hook, you know, whether that hook was eight seconds long, and then we, we took the hook and we, we chopped it up and, and, and made it into a full track. So I don't think there's any rules, and I certainly try to... I still do the same quite interestingly, even when I'm writing, if you like, these days singer-songwriter songs. If I get a chorus in my head... I'll put the chorus down um, in the studio and then I've not even wrote any of the rest of the song, for example, and it allows me to have that chorus and and feed off it. You know, can I find a... Where can I find a verse for that? Do I need a bridge going to that chorus? So on and so forth. And and I've always tried to... I've always tried to write in, in that manner where I don't think there should be any rules personally. Um, I do understand the whole corporate um, aeroplane thing, if you like, but never really been for me. And I understand that a lot of artists these days, in particular those that are that are signed to to major record labels, they kind of have no option but to do that because it's like, oh, where's the hook? Get the hook in right away. And and, and I and I, I feel sorry for them. I, I also think that these days it's it's a pretty wonderful thing because. There's so there's so many people doing the DIY thing that they don't they can kind of do what they want as well. So I think there's there's still place for both these days. But me personally, I try not to get to get strung upon it too long and just do what comes naturally. Do you think that that's that what you just said there? Like um, in regards to the fact that DIY culture is certainly throughout the pandemic would have been as 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 essential and as as you know as as 
have fully taken advantage of the, the, the DIY culture. And again, it's something that I love about podcasting. It's, it's punk as fuck. It's like there's, there's no rules. And, and, and I yeah. love that. And do you think the fact that, you know, there's, there's 14 year old kids making grime records, you know, indoors on their laptop, that do you think it's that sort of thing that is, is almost kind of pushing them labels into thinking, well, if we're going to sign a band, we can't get it wrong anymore. We can't afford to get it wrong. We've got to work to almost a science of algorithms and just industry bollocks to ensure that that two-and-a-half-minute track is going to nail it on TikTok and going to, you know, it's going to get on the playlist and within four seconds. Do you think there's a pressure on them to kind of do that because everybody's out there doing it themselves now? Yeah, I do, mate. I really do, because all of a sudden, they don't hold the rule book anymore. Yeah. Uh, which is fucking wonderful, by the way, because, you know, for such a long time, they they kind of, they got their big Doc Martin and they stood on top of it, and it was like, we'll let you breathe when we feel like it, that kind of bollocks. Mm. And and, and, it, and it's just wrong in every, in every artistic level. It, it, it's wrong, and they held back so many artists, even back in the day when they used to sign, you know, you get a major that would sign five bands because they sounded like the band that they actually signed, and they would sign the other bands, shelf them, and focus on this band that they believe in a wee bit more. Absolute talk about exploitation. It was awful. I mean, so yeah, I, th- I think the 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 shoes in the other foot now yeah. in a good way. I, I heard. I mean, I might be wrong here, but um, I heard from quite a few people that that, that generally sort of don't really talk that much shite. And and they told me that that was pretty much the case with Casadium, that they were they were signed and they sat on them for so long because there may have been a conflict of interest or, you know, and it was waited until the right moment. Then it's like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll give them a while now. And uh, I think also coming from that angle that it must have been hard to, to keep to sit, to sit in Kasabian for too long because I wouldn't imagine that they'd been putting up with that shit either. So no. like they've been having, having none of that, mate, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. All right, well, I'm going to take you back, mate. And for track two. I'm going to ask yeah. you to tell me, please, the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Okay, probably quite a strange one for, for, for most people, but emotion comes in many different levels. For me, I was I, I was literally a wee boy. I think it was maybe 10 years old. I was always heavily into music. I was I was brought up in quite a musical family. Um, and, you know, so I was brought up in the Beatles and the Stones and, and all that kind of stuff, which was wonderful, but... All of a sudden, I heard the specials, Too Much Too Young, and I was like, whoa, what, what is that? What was that? And there was that kind of ska rhythm you know, going on with it, and it was just, even being 10, I recognised it lyrically. It was very, very different for me to, to what I'd been brought up with, and it was very social, and you know, it was talking about you know, young girls getting pregnant too young, blah blah blah. So for me, that emotion was—it was more—it was more like a what the hell. Yeah. And I just—I'll never forget that. I'll never forget it. And then I would. There was various things that I remember seeing the specials on telly. I don't know. I don't know whether it was. Um, was it was it, was it the tube it used to be called? Yeah. Yeah, I think it made something like that, and I was like. Well, because they were all dancing about, and it was like it was mayhem on stage, but it was wonderful. 
And, and that, for me, that emotion was absolute, kind of chaotic in a way, but still relevant because it, it had a hard-hitting message as well. And that was the thing. It was absolute chaos, you know, on stage. But slap bam in the middle was this deadpan Terry yeah. that... How cool was Terry? He weren't playing the game, was he? He didn't want to do... Everyone else going mental on stage, but he was just there, didn't crack a smile, and like it was just such a beautiful mix of people, that band. And obviously the genius that was Jerry Dammers, there was so much stuff going on. Like, And one of my... It's weird that you choose that. My, my, one of my very, very earliest memories of music was putting five pence in a jukebox in a holiday camp in Great Yarmouth and putting on Ghost Hand and just thinking... What this doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard before, and like it was just. And when I saw, you know, a few years later, like or however long later, on top of the pops, like the video, the video was just as eerie, you know. And and Terry's face was just like, whoa, what, what? I can't, I don't know what's going on here. And it was, and I love the fact that sometimes you know you just can't. Some songs just sound out of time, and by that I don't mean you know, to a metronome, like, just don't sit anywhere. They just, some you know, some bands have got some, and you've chose one later, which I'll pick back up on this then, because you uh-huh. chose one that goes in that list as far as I'm concerned. I'll, I'll pick yeah, your I'm brains curious, on it. I'm curious to see what one that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, hearing um, Too Much Too Young, what was, the, if you had to pinpoint the emotion, you know, what was it? The, the emotion was liberation. That was the that was the emotion for me because keep in mind I was a really young young boy I, I could have picked many songs but I tried to go back as far as I could um, to I could, I could I could quite easily have picked the Beatles along and winding road because I was brought up with that um, but I, I wanted to pick something that stood out on its own for me that wasn't related to, to growing up in my family. For me, like my my, my, my my old dear heard that and probably thought, oh my God, son, what is that? So it was kind of that post-punk feel as well. But I, I personally believe that the specials globally are, are one of the most underrated bands ever. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Okay, track three. The song yeah. that reminds you of your time at school, please. Ah, okay, this is an interesting one. So, with regard to school, I had the pleasure. I went to school in high school in Scotland and then I moved when I was 14 to just outside Toronto um, where there was a mishmash of loads of British and Irish people and we all hung about together because all our dads drunk in the pub together. So, at school in Toronto, when I first started high school, I remember hearing the cult, She Sells Sanctuary, and I was, it just, bam, just hit me right in the back of the head. I was like, what, what is that? You know, and when I heard that, everybody was trying to do the Ian Astbury dance. And, you know, it was just, I just loved that song so much. It had so much energy. And, and, and Billy, Billy Duffy's guitar lick on it as well, the riff. Really simple, which I love. I love things like that because... I'm the furthest thing from Jimmy Page you can ever imagine. <laughs> um, I, I, I can put my finger on one string and move up and down and create a good melody, and that's enough for me. And when I heard that, it made it accessible to everybody, everybody that was maybe just picking up the guitar, post post Ramones, if you like, because they, they for me, they started it, 
Um, and then everybody that was picking up the guitar could, oh, guess what? I, I can play the She Sells Sanctuary riff. And it, and, and it made it accessible, which was wonderful. That's the song that sounds like it belongs somewhere else. It's uh, like, yeah. I like the cult. They haven't got any songs that sound anywhere near that sonically. Yeah. yeah. Like that record, if that come out tomorrow, nobody would go, oh, that sounds like that was recorded in like 1983, yeah. maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it sounds so fresh. Yes. So it just, it's perfect in every way, that record. I really do believe that. And his vocals, I mean, if we're talking intros, fuck uh-huh. me. Like, you know, I actually made a note of that because that intro, because it kind of it leads you into a false sense of security, doesn't it? Because it's got that lovely little picky riff, and then all of a sudden, bang, the drum yeah. kit starts, and it's like, what the fuck just happened yeah. there? Yeah. It's wonderful. Look, there's the postman at my door. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. Thank you. I like to think he's going to spend the rest of the day whistling Sanctuary now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's an absolute tune, that is. It's, uh, there's, there's songs by bands, and, and, and I've probably mentioned it before on here, and it's lots of bands that are some of my favourite bands that, you know, for me, the Smiths are an incredible band. Yeah. They've done nothing else in their catalogue that sounds like How Soon Is Now. How Soon Is Now sounds like it's from another planet. Stone, Stone Roses, incredible band. They've never yeah. made another record that sounds anywhere near the sonic weirdness of Fool's Gold. Like, right. cool. it's, it's yeah. that yeah. list of songs where, like, you just think, and Sanctuary's in there. It's like... Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the only, the only, just for a wee, just for a wee bit of, kind of, I mean, personal opinion, totally agree with you with the Stone Roses, but for me also, another one that I would drop in for the Roses would be, uh, want to be adored. Oh. For that. When that came in, when that came in and it, the, the baggy scene was out and I was just getting into that whole rave culture thing, when I... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
heard that song as well, I was like, oh my God, thank you. Yeah. It was just a wonderful feeling. I, I, I'm, do you mind me asking how old you are, Ewan? I'm fifty. Right, I'm I'm, I'm forty eight. So we're, we're not we're not we, we we grew up listening to very similar music by the sounds of things, and yeah. I can avidly remember seeing like Top of the Pops, the episode where the Rosies, the Mondays, and the Inspirals were on it, and I was just thinking, Amazing. I want to be in this gang. This is yeah, my yeah. that's my tribe right there. I'll like, all over that. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good, wasn't it? Um, and I, I'm like a fifty year old going on twenty three, unfortunately. So. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, brother. <laughs> I, keep, I keep getting I keep getting constant reminders from my twenty year old daughter. She's like, Dad, you're old. <laughs> and, oh, I, said, I actually disagree with you there, darling, but. Then I think about it and I think, I, okay, maybe I'll leave. I, uh, my, my daughter turned 18 during uh, lockdown. Uh-huh. And, uh, and and I've, I've, I've run my club for 29 years. And, uh, in, in, in Essex. <laughs> and I said to her, wow, restrictions drop. When we reopen, you can come to my club. Like, because she'd <laughs> never been clubbing. And she was just like, yeah, I think about it. And I was like, what? <laughs> And then I actually stepped, stopped, 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 thought about it. And I was just like, why would you want your first clubbing experience to be somewhere where your daddy's? Like, that's so fucking uncool. <laughs> I know. I, I totally get it. But in, in our heads, Stu, in our heads, we, we think we're still the epitome of coolness, don't we? We can't get over it. It's tragic, isn't it, mate? <laughs> it's tragic. And it's tragic and it's hit me. I, I, that's, it, it is what it is. And Absolutely. I don't think we'll ever change. I can see myself sitting another 20 years having the same attitude, having the same views. Okay, well, you mellow out as you get a wee bit older. If you don't, if you don't you're going to end up in a fucking mental hospital. Yeah. So, you know, but, but I don't see myself changing that much. I still love and, you know, feel passionate about the things that I always did. Absolutely. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor. Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all support in the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. Tell me about school. How was it? I mean, tell me more about how it was going at such an important age, 14, to then up sticks and move and be the Scottish kid, you know, somewhere strange. How was that? Um, do you know what? For, for me, it was it was actually probably it was probably okay. But if I'm being honest with you, the reason I'd done it at the time, I, I was I was probably quite a handful. I was probably quite a cocky kid when I was fourteen, and I, I had a stepdad who was it was very good to me actually. And there was a couple of things came up that 
we had major disagreements and one of these days I woke up and I was very strong-minded as a, as a boy. I'll, I'll always remember that. And I think it's maybe served me well as times went on, but I remember thinking, you know what, I'm going to go and live in Canada with my dad that I've never really met before. And my poor mother was broken-hearted, you can imagine, but she was really cool and she never held me back. And she says to this very day, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I, when I went there... I had to grow up really quickly um, and, and, and I fitted in instantly well because I was always into, I suppose, what was current, if you like, or what was up and coming. So when I went over there, I was very interested in hip-hop and breakdancing. Um, I used to think it was a bit of a breaker, but I was absolutely shy to be honest. I used to try and pull the moves and get injuries and so on and so forth. So... Socially, I was accepted pretty well, and it made it very, very easy because my dad's mates, as I mentioned, were all UK and Irish-based. So within probably the first month, I had a whole new circle of friends that, to this very day, they're like brothers to me. And lots of them became very successful. A lot of very kind of arty, arty guys. Um, but, so one of them ended up having a, a huge production company making music videos. Um, he's made videos with the Rolling Stones, with DMX, with Arcade Fire, and he's done really great for himself. I've got another mate, um, Anthony Donnelly, who is absolutely, he's bonkers, but I love him dearly. He was the guy that was responsible for introducing, I suppose, rave music to, to North America. Um, they'd, they'd done a documentary on him. There was a, a place called, I think it was maybe Hop 21 or Hop 23. I can't, he'll, he'll kick my ass for not being able to remember. But, you know, he he was very responsible and he still does it. He's still very proactive and, you know, kind of fighting the power and all that kind of thing. So I've got loads of mates that were, that's what they were all about. And, and they've not changed even, even, even now. Nice. What was the first song? You bought from a record shop. Okay, first song. So the first single that I bought from a record shop, I think I was maybe about eleven, and I had bought um, "Come On Eileen" with Dexys Midnight Runners. It was just a total anthem, and I remember going to youth club and school discos, and, and when it got to the bit where it was. Come on, Ali The whole fucking youth club would put their hands in the air and they were clapping their hands. It was like, it was such a euphoric moment when you were that age. And, and I just, and, and by the way, it was a great tune. He was, he was actually a great writer, Kevin Rowland. But the first album that I ever bought, I don't know if you remember, there was, there was a ska album with various artists on it called Dance Craze. Yeah, of course. You remember it? Yeah. yeah. I think there was, so, a, there was a video as well of it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you had the selector, the specials, bad manners. Madness, you know, yeah. That, absolutely. So that was that was the first album. I had bought that before the single, but because you asked about a specific yeah. song, the song was um, yeah, Dixie's Midnight Runners Come On Island. And and you're right to say that's a, that's a tune because I think. 30 years of wedding receptions and, and family do's and, you know, your nan having her knees up to it and all of that stuff <laughs> kind of cheapened it a little bit. And and I think, like, if you... if you, I mean, you're, you're completely right on Kevin Rowland. Like, that, you know, that, that, that first couple of Dexys albums, fucking hell, are incredible. Um, yeah. And 
And I honestly think that the Come On Eileen is an absolute masterpiece of a record. Yes. Like it's got everything, and it's it's just brilliant. And I think people. I think are just probably a bit sick of it, and for that reason, sort of a lot of time we'll disregard it as being anything yeah. other than the you know the, the family disco record, and it's not. It's a fucking masterpiece. I really yeah. do think that. And what people forget is is that when we first heard that when we were young, it was so fresh. Yeah, well, it, it was our. It was like our teenage anthem, if you like, mm. and, and I'll never forget that because. I've got nothing but happy memories whenever I hear it because it takes me back to, I could be jumping into the TARDIS, takes me back in time and I'm there, I'm in that hall and I can see exactly what people are wearing, you know, all sorts of different fashion going on, guys walking about the leg warmers on and all that kind of shit. <laughs> That's mental, wasn't it? <laughs> Were you talking about yourself then or not? I tried everything, mate. To oh, I was just picturing you doing one of your shit backspins in front of your mates with a pair of leg warmers on. <laughs> that, that was, that, no, that was afterwards. That was it. I was never quite sure. I was never quite sure who I was. I think, and then I think because of that, I just wanted to experience a wee bit of everything. Right? Okay. Let, let's. There's new romantics. Right? Let's let's listen to some early Spandau stuff. Great music, by the way. Um, and then obviously we went to that, and I remember watching. I remember watching Beach Street. Remember oh. Beach Street? Oh man, that changed my life. That that, compl- that was another life changing moment because it, it was gritty. It was it was real, and you know everything for the the graffiti to the dancing to, to the music. You know you had you had you had the fucking New York City Breakers going up against the Rocksteady Crew. I mean it was. Like, that was incredible. And the thing was, what made it, I think, so exciting was the fact that you couldn't really get more of it. There was only so much available. Like, because it was so American, you know, you might might see uh, Melly Mel on, on top of the pops if you was lucky. You might yeah. see Bambara. But the rest of it, you know, you'd, you'd have to kind of hope that someone had a cassette. And, you know, these cassettes of like, the, you know, the electro albums that get passed around my school, one person had a copy of Subway Art. And that book, we'd all be like leaning over his shoulder trying to look at this graffiti that we couldn't see anywhere else. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, and I think that elusiveness of that scene made it, because we'd never heard anything like hip hop. Like, it was so weird and so. American at a time when everything that you know, all the films, everything that was coming out of America was so exciting and different and new. And oh, like the, the, the early kind of hip hop stuff that you was exposed to and the break dancing, and oh, it was just incredible, wasn't it? That, that was a wonderful time in my life. I, I remember actually when I moved to Canada, I had already been into hip hop, and my dad, my dad, when I got there as a treat because we were trying to find a bond with each other which which never really happened we kind of fought like cat and dog but we were best mates and great greatest enemies that kind of relationship god bless his soul he's no longer with us um, but you know he bought me this i don't know if you remember a ghetto blaster called a clear tone and a clear tone was basically it had two tape decks in it, but one was a tape deck you pushed in, and one was a flip out, and it was a proper put it in your shoulder, wow. and your serious street status. So I went to 
to school, you're allowed to take your ghetto blaster to high school over there. And I always remember seeing it in films before I went to Toronto. And at, at break time, at lunchtime, people used to gather in the stairs and actually break dance. And I was like, whoa, this is like the telly. <laughs> and I was actually there. I wasn't break dancing because I was absolutely shite in comparison with everybody else. But I would get back home in my basement. Um, and practice and practice and practice and try and nail a head spin, do my first windmill, wee things like that. <laughs> Just great, great memories. Love it. Um, I mean, before we get on the next question, you, you, you mentioned that, you, you, you know, you, your earlier years, you grew up in a very sort of musical household and you mentioned the Beatles and the Stones. So was, was the stereo always on? And, and, and aside from them, what other sort of music was you being exposed to? Um, growing up, when I was a, do you mean when I was a boy at yeah, home? Yeah. Okay, so mostly, definitely mostly the Beatles and the Stones. Um, my, my mother was the Beatles and my stepdad was the Stones, without a doubt. She, they, I also grew up with things like mum being mum. She was kind of, there was, there was a lot of ABBA kicking about. Um, brilliant songwriter, by the way, absolute genius, melodic genius. Oh, incredible. Um, and and also, I remember there being quite a lot of Neil Diamond as well yep. growing up. And then when I then when I moved when I moved to Canada, my my dad uh, he was he was actually a folk singer, and so he used to play guitar, and that was his job, that was his full time job. So he would play things like uh, Cat Stevens, Jim Croce, Bob Seger, stuff like that. So. It was quite nice. I was I had all sorts of different, even from a very young age, all sorts surrounded with all sorts of different music. And and, and also, I remember my mum hearing um, Donna Summer and Barbara. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rising and, and playing that, and I was like, "Whoa, that, that's actually really quite cool." Yeah, because uh, you Donna Summer, which she was a goddess, wasn't she? Absolutely. When she was doing her thing, so no, great, great memories, mate. Well, 
I guess the next ones could be the memories that you don't remember. For track uh, five, I'm going to ask you <laughs> for the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. Yeah, yeah. So for me, um, I'll never forget the first time that I heard Voodoo Ray with a guy called Gerald. It was, it was, again, and oh, the reason I've put these songs down because they were kind of all life-changing moments as such, but that one in particular for me was like, right, wait a minute, there's a new culture, there's, a, there's, there's something new happening. And when I heard Voodoo Ray, that was me. I started buying records. I would go to the record shop. I even started trying to, to DJ. I was a shit DJ as well, by the way. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't mix at all because it was always um, inebriated with, with, with something else. Um, but but I, I certainly tried, and I used to hold, I used to hold dance nights in my, my local village, and I think everybody thought I was mad. They were like, "What are you doing? You know, nobody's going to come." A year later. There was queues outside the door and I was probably responsible for the majority of the young village getting out of their brains, which was, which was fantastic. <laughs> it's a, 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 a ridiculous record, isn't it? It's like... It's, so good. And I, I just love the fact that you watch any kind of documentary on electronic music, on rave culture, on, on anything. You yeah. know at some point that's going to be the track that, that yeah. defines the most pivotal moment in any of it because that is what that track done, in my opinion. I think it was just defined that time. It, it changed my life, didn't it? It really changed my life because all of a sudden, all of a sudden I was going out on a Thursday and, I, and then I was falling back in the door on a Monday morning. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I was like, my mum said, you never phoned me. We never had mobiles back then, obviously. Yeah. Um, I said, I, I know, I'm sorry, Mum, I'm sorry. I couldn't get to your phone. I was in the middle of a field. And she was like, what do you mean you were in the middle of a field, son? I said, well, you know, we just go to fields and we, and we have a party. She says, that. And then she says, is that the stuff that's on the telly? Is that all that illegal stuff? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. Honestly, Mum, it's all about love. Everybody loves each other. I never told her what the reason behind that was. <laughs> It was a certain little thing that you used to put under your tongue, and that was, it was good fun at the time. Oh, wonderful, wonderful! Um, just hearing you talk about you know, you know, moving schools and 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 then you know finding it relatively easy to to you know get in with, with, with and make friends and things like that. And so I imagine that you know you're, you're quite a confident person. But yeah. with that in mind, I always like to ask guests as well that, especially musicians or, or, or anyone in the creative industries, because they're all ridiculously tough industries to yeah. to, to, to forge careers within. So I'm going to ask you about drive and, you know, how driven are you? Driven, you know what, mate? Even at this age, I am probably more driven than I've ever been. When I get something, when I work, I work. Right now, my wife and I both are working minimum 16 hours a day, like genuinely every day. We try to take one day off at the weekend, um, but I, I, I had never released a solo record before, and, and my drive behind that was like, just to go for it. So 
I, I don't do anything, no half measures with me. I, if I do it, I do it. And, and, and that's never changed. I've always been, I've always been a go-getter. And I think it's important. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to take you home for track six. For okay. Favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Yeah, the reason I've picked this song is, is simply because it was the perfect crossover track for me. You know, it, we had rock and roll, we had, we had house music, we had the baggy scene all in the one track. And and these guys, we were very proud of them. It's moving on up with Primal Scream. I could have picked Loaded, that was seminal, but I wanted to pick something that was that had lyrics and had Bobby Gillespie. You know, he'd done his thing in that video. Wow. He came, it was just it was just a dude, wasn't he? Um, you know, when I heard moving on, you've got the gospel singers, you've got Bobby doing a wee bit of Mick Jagger, you've got you've got the kind of the piano, almost the house like piano. So good. It was so good. And when I heard that, I was proud because all of a sudden a guy like from our area, if you like, was in the scene and it's like, you know what? We're here, we're part of this as well. And and for me, that was massive. I don't just think that track was part of that scene. I think if you're going to talk between the, you know, the crossover at that point of, you know, your tracks like Voodoo Ryan and all the stuff that was happening in electronic music and all the stuff that was, as you said, happening in rock and roll and the baggy scene, they defined that 100%. Like that, that, that album, you know, it's ridiculous so ridiculous and and moving on up you know as somebody that's been playing indie records for the last 29 years in clubs i sometimes i find i i can swerve having listened to loaded you know i'd rather go for i'm losing more than i ever had and just get his vocal over the top i love that but moving on up doesn't matter any time i hear that it's joyous pure Uh, joy yeah, 100%, mate. And, and it, you know, I defy anybody that can listen to that song and not have a smile on their face because yeah. they're actually proper miserable bastards, aren't they, if that's the case? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Not that you see Bobby smile that much. <laughs> oh, look, but that's the joy in Bobby, though, isn't it? That, mm. that's, that's what he's all about. But yeah. the, fact, the fact that you can create that joy and have such a stone face... Yeah. That's an art form within itself. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I met him once when, in about 1997, I think it was around the time of sort of maybe swastika eyes and stuff like that. And, uh-huh. and, uh, and I was just in a record shop in Camden, and, um, and for some reason I had a camera on me. We was doing something with my, my, my then band, and I took a camera, and, uh, and I was just noticed that he was standing next to me looking through records. And I was like, fucking hell, he's like Bobby Gillespie. <laughs> And I was like, uh, hello, Bobby. And he was like, you all right? And he was like, really lovely, really chatty. And, uh, and I'd just seen them do their first, cause they come to Essex and they played uh, a small show in South End. It was the first gig with Manny. And, oh. uh, and I went there and the sand was terrible. Right. Uh, the, obviously the band were the band, but the sand, whatever happened that night, weren't great. Uh, and I remember going to him, oh, I, I saw you at South End the other night. And he was like, oh, yeah, the sound weren't too good. And I should have just gone, no, you're right. But I was like, no, no, it was great. And Because uh, I was just absolutely in order. I was talking to Bobby Gillespie. And I, went, <laughs> and I went, Bobby, I went, 
can I have a photo with you? And like, this is way before camera phones and stuff. And he was like, yeah, cool, man. And so he was chatting away and he was all smiles. And my mate got the camera. And just as he went to take it, I'm sort of like looking sort of towards him a little bit. And he was kind of like, went from being jolly to, I'm Bobby Gillespie. I've got to look strung out. And just kind of went. And like, <laughs> and my, my, the photo is like, Bobby looking how Bobby looks in every photo, just like a yeah. rock and roller, you know. And I've just got this really confused, like, is he all right? Look. <laughs> yeah. like, What's just happened? Turned it on, turned it on in the name of the game. <laughs> it was great. I, I, remember, I remember hearing a story about him. When I lived in, I, I spent quite a lot of time when I lived in, in, in uh, London, I lived in you know, Vale area and there was, a lot, there was a lot going on with various people and I remember hearing a story of Bobby getting picked up at five in the morning to go on I think a European tour and he literally to go on a tour for I think it was three months he had on his jeans a pair of white Converse a black t-shirt a black leather jacket and he had a white plastic bag <laughs> with, <laughs> with an extra t-shirt and a pair of pants in it and that's what he took on tour with him and I thought legend love it keep it simple <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, look, we've spoke about DJing, and this is your pli- uh, This is the part where you get to play DJ and tastemaker. And okay. uh, and for the last question, you know, I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me the song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear. Okay. Okay. So, what I, w- I was going to get a bit self-indulgent and decided not to because um, I didn't want to come across as being overconfident, which is probably what I am anyway. So, forgive me for that. Um, I was going to pick a Grim Northern social song called Clash of the Social Titans, and I thought, he can't do that, he fucking wrote it. So <laughs> I, I moved from there. Of late, as, as I've been maturing in life, I've been listening to a lot more kind of modern Americana, if you like. I don't even know what you call it. There's so many genres that I get confused by it. I really do. To me, it's, it's rock and roll or it's southern rock and roll. It's house music and it's techno. All these subgenres completely confuse me. Um, so the song that, that I ended up picking, it's not a new song. It's been out for, for a good few years, but it's by a band called Houndmouth and it's called Sedona. And I, I love this band. I just think the guy doesn't write a bad tune. The band don't write a bad tune. They're all good. But Sedona for me is melodically fantastic and, and it's it's got... It's got angst towards the end. It's got it's got delicacies, and, and, and I think it's a perfect it's a perfect kind of well, what I would back in my day call a pop song, but you can't even call it a pop song these days because people tend to think it pop in a completely different light. So sure. yeah, Houndmouth and the track is called Sedona. Wonderful. Well, you and me put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the the podcast, so we'll, we'll put on all the tracks that we've we've spoke about your choices and some of the other ones that we've we've, we've thrown in the mix, and obviously we'll throw in uh, your track as well, um, so people can go and explore everything that we've been chatting about today. So, looking ahead to the rest of the year, and uh-huh. hopefully a, a time that's going to be more connected and more similar to what we was used to you know a couple of years ago um what are you most looking forward to personally and what's going to be happening professionally i think i think my answer is the same as, as many many musicians get out and play live again um it's, it's the ultimate buzz um especially when you have a good night yeah that is, 
that is really there's there, there's no feeling like it. And, and by the way, that doesn't matter whether you're playing in front of forty thousand people or forty people in a tiny room, because you can create just as much energy in a room with forty people as what you can outside with forty thousand. So really looking forward to getting playing live again and, and just just going to be relentless. I'm going to try and release three albums in the next year and a half. Wow. Uh, which is which is pretty. I'm pretty confident it's going to happen yeah. because I've set, I've set myself that target. So I need to I need to step up to the plate, I suppose, and and do what I need to do. So it is going to be insane. It's going to be busy, but you only live once, mate. So you've just got to go for it. Absolutely. And if listeners. Um want to uh, keep up to speed with everything you're going to be doing um, in the coming year. Where's the best place to, to keep up to speed? Okay, I would say obviously all the socials, but I think for any artist, you're better coming to the artist's website. I've got a website called Ewan McFarlane Music. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to get people to give us an email addresses. We'll send stuff out. There'll be your usual free downloads and this, that, and the next thing. And, and, that's, and, and I think it's really important that people know that if, if the majority of the public had to go to the artist's websites, it's easier for the artist to actually earn a proper living as well. Yeah. That's so important. You know, if you can get stuff from a band or an artist's website um, instead of whatever social, you know, other platform it is, it really, really helps helps the artist so much. So I'm a, I'm a big thumbs up for that one. Absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll we'll tag you in everything when this comes out, and we'll we'll add the web address to the bio that accompanies the podcast, so people are, uh, it's just a click away. Um, you and you've been an absolute delight, mate. Like I've had so you, much fun. You've been an absolute delight. <laughs> so I've, I've really enjoyed myself. Um, so thanks for having me. Oh, mate, absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure. Thanks, mate. Okay, bud. Take it easy, mate. Thank you. Oh, what a wonderful natter. Oh, I'm still buzzing. I'm recording this literally just after we finished our chat. Um, sometimes you have them chats where you just think, oh, man, I wish I lived around the corner. Like, I'll pop out and have a beer with him. Like, it was um, a lovely chat. Uh, really, really enjoyed that. It's so nice when, uh, you know, the guests will name drop something that you instantly go, man, it was exactly the same for me. And uh, it makes for a really nice, kind of warm and excitable uh, chat. So, yeah, huge thanks to you. Uh, um, um, yeah, go check out the website. Uh, go follow him on the socials. And, uh, yeah, in the meantime, I'll be back next week. As mentioned at the beginning, uh, why not go and explore the back catalogue and uh, go and get stuck into 300-plus chats with all your favourite musicians, comedians, producers, actors, uh, DJs, they're, they're, they're all over there. So go and have a, a rummage through and find something that you want to listen to. Um, yep, yeah, one-stop shop, www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. I'm back next time. Be excellent to each other. Much love. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Eat a